It's a weird question and maybe an unfair question, but is this Baylor team clicking on all cylinders because Keontae George is out? Let's talk about it. This is Locked on Baylor. You are Locked on Baylor, your daily podcast on the Baylor Bears, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. I am slowly turning into a tan. That is Stephen Vaughn, or Stephen from Virginia, as you may know him, a famous Baylor basketball guru, Baylor sports guru, really. Thank you for making Locked On Baylor your first listen every single day. And Stephen, let's jump right into it. It's a weird thing to say. Somebody's hurt, right? A player's hurt who has given you a lot this year. You're leading scorer this season. And maybe him being hurt is not the catalyst to why Baylor's playing so well recently. But there is a question on the table. With Keontae George out, this team has now gone 2-0 and and dominated two pretty good teams. What is it? Is the ball being moved better? Is, is his absence contributing to how this team is now so cohesive? So I think the first thing I'd say is that the team is better on defense with Keontae George. I don't want to say the team is better with Keont- without Keontae George, but it's certainly better on defense. The switching is a lot better. They're a lot better in man defense, and I've really felt that Dale Bonner is an insane defender, right? Yeah. He's really, so you really gain something with Dale Bonner on defense, but you lose a lot with Keontae George on the bench in terms of offense. So I think the big thing for me is, and you guys have talked about it on the show, is that Baylor is not a very good defensive team on Ken Palm. Yeah. And they improve on defense when they get Dale Bonner on the floor and Jonathan Chamwachachua on the floor. And no team in the Ken Palm era has won with less than a top 22 ranked defense. Yeah. So for sure, when I'm thinking Baylor needs to be better on defense to win the games they want to win, and they're better on defense without Keontae George, that's a fair point. But they are not better without Keontae George. What's so intriguing, Stephen? And again, it's weird. It's like, all right, these these there's this dialogue over a player is out. How is Baylor better without a lottery pick player? And I, I want to say very early on, too, I'm not happy Keontae George is hurt. I, I don't wish that on Keontae. I hope his draft stock is not affected at all. And I hope he's back in the next game. But what do you – I mean, and it's a tough question, and neither of us are the basketball co- on, on the basketball coaching staff. What do you do when Keontae does come back to – keep the ball movement there to keep the defensive intensity there to get Dale Bonner those minutes. Cause if Keontae comes back and Dale Bonner is only playing five minutes, you saw what he could do in 30 minutes. To me, that's invaluable. You've got to keep that out there. Well, and we've also seen a lot of improvement and growth in Dale Bonner's game since he first stepped on campus. I'll tell you when Dale Bonner first stepped on campus, I was really excited about his defensive intensity and the way that he plays and he plays a really unselfish game. So for me, I'm really excited to see Dale Bonner get more minutes. I think this team really needs Keontae George, though, because if you look especially in terms of ball handling and playmaking, they've struggled down the stretch in some of these games without Keontae, especially the Oklahoma State game. When you think about the lead that was big and dwindled and dwindled and dwindled, and how many times this year the ball has gotten turned over in the corner in late-minute situations, it doesn't help that to have Keontae George on the sideline. You need an extra ball handler. You need an extra guy who can pass in. You need an extra guy who can get fouled and go to the line and shoot free throws. I definitely think that Keontae George coming back is going to help this team a lot. Steven, what month is it? It's March, baby. 
This is March. I there's the um the Hello Friends, the Jim Nance and the music, and you hear the one shining moment, and it kind of takes you back to 2021. I mean, we're we're on the cusp of all right, Steven, Bear Games question of the day. That's a little throwback. <laughs> is there a better tournament in a mayor? I'm getting some more of this. Is there a better tournament, a better sporting event, a better sports something than March Madness in the world? I don't think so. And it's mainly because March Madness is like March Madness for a whole month. You're getting a whole month of basketball games. And I just don't think the NFL playoffs for a whole month are as good up and down. And I just don't think the NBA playoffs are as good. And I just don't think the MLB playoffs are as good. And they last longer than a month now. So it's really hard to just pinpoint one month. There's no better tournament. And this is March, baby. We sleep in May. Yeah, we can't even sleep in April anymore because now they play the championship in April. Hopefully, we're still alive at that point in time. I'm this whole, uh, yeah, the World Cup, maybe you can make a case for, but this whole month is built around conference tournament basketball. It's built around March Madness. And the, God, we've talked about the ceiling Baylor has. Their floor to me is a, you know, out in the first round, round of 32, likely round of 32 being the floor, ceiling, still seeing some national championship prowess with how good the offense is. But again, I want to go back to this Keontae George conversation that we're on. He is, you know, you're looking at guys like Adam Flagler and LJ Cryer who have national championship rings. Jonathan Chamochachua, who is a major contributor. Flo Thamba, who's a major contributor. Then you got Keontae George, the new blood. Is he to you? This is wild, Stephen. That I, I like, but I, I think it's kind of a reasonable question. Remember Kendall Brown last year? Toward this part of the year, you thought, hmm, we're not seeing peak Kendall Brown. Do you think we're seeing peak Keontae George, like throwing him back in the fold? Like we've seen it two games now. I don't think that the the retraction of Keontae George makes this team less of a national championship contender based on what we've seen. It's just, it's what they, it's how they played. Is he, Steven, I don't want to, I don't want to be so explicit about it, but look, I mean, is he playing basketball that's going to carry this team to a national championship, or is the unit playing better together when he's not in in here in March? So here's what I think is really going to be important about Keontae George coming back to the team is late-game situations and having a guy who can score like Keontae can score. I went into the West Virginia game and firsthand yeah. saw him score 32 points and saw him make a one-footed three that he was fading away into the corner to shoot. And there's just not a lot of talents like him in the game. And so to have one of those on your team in March, when you're going to have late game situations, you're going to have to have out of bounds plays. You're going to have to have plays that you draw up for people to score, to get tough buckets and tough opportunities. I think Keontae is going to be right there because here's the thing. It's not even necessarily that Keontae has to take the shot. You have three amazing guards and, who start, and then two more amazing guards off the bench because we haven't even mentioned Lakes and Love yet. Mm. And you have so many scoring options on this team that who are you going to cover? And not many teams have three great perimeter defenders who can guard all three of your guards and also have big men who can stay with Chama Chachua and Flo Thamba. So Chama Chachua, Flo Thamba. This is this segues perfectly in our next conversation of like where where do you see Baylor in March, Stephen? Like you you've got a a basketball mind that's your sport. 
Am I wrong? You're a baseball guy too. But I'm a baseball and basketball guy, but those are my two sports. Yeah. This where Baylor is right now compared to where they were going into the tournament in 2021. That's my lit- litmus test. It's unfair right. because it's a national no. championship team, but it's unfair. It, but I think once you've seen a national championship, you're going to compare it to that forever, right? You have to, right? It, it mm-hmm. gives you, and I like now I know what it looks like to be that caliber of a team. So why wouldn't I? Like that's the that's the standard. So I'm going to compare mm-hmm. everything else to what the standard is. Are we wrong for doing that? I don't think we're wrong for doing that. And I think this is it's really interesting that you bring this up because I think this is kind of interesting as to where Baylor has become a basketball power and it wasn't before. So when Baylor wasn't very good at basketball, or at least wasn't perceived to be very good at basketball, you were there. You were around for that. I, I was there. Um, it was hard to tell people. It was hard to judge what was a national championship team. And when we were, you know, watching that 2021 team, I think we had moments where we're like, okay, this is what a championship team looks like. But we didn't know because we'd never seen one. Right. So now that we've seen one, we're only going to point to that team because that's what a championship team looked like. And look, I'll tell you that I think that's the best basketball team, at least college basketball team I've ever seen. They switched on defense when you ran when you got by one, you ran into a teammate. They passed up open looks for teammates who had better shots. And that's really what team sports is all about. And so for that to happen, we saw that in championship Baylor. I see that on the offensive end with this Baylor. I'm not really sure I see it on the defensive end. That Baylor team was so physical and so tough. I never remember teams going on Virginia or Marquette like runs. Yeah. I never, you know, I remember when the 2020 team beat Kansas and Lawrence, they got up on Kansas early, just like this one did, but they held them down and they didn't let them up after that. So there's a big difference between the two. And I think that this Baylor team just isn't as solid on defense. And that's why when we're talking about where we're going to see Baylor in March, yeah, probably see them topping out at the sweet 16 steven let's dive into that but first i gotta tell everybody at home about fanduel right now folks it's one of my favorite parts about fanduel i uh you can go on and bet about you can bet on intramural baylor intramural tennis and i bet you didn't bet that i would go two and oh yesterday and i did i absolutely did depths i take that granted Yes, neither of my opponents showed up, and they were both forfeits. But that is still 2-0, and and you would have gotten your money at FanDuel. It's got everything. Even more so, it's got March Madness. You can go bet on who's going to make the Final Four. You can go bet on who's going to make the National Championship. And right now, there's a no-sweat first bet. $1,000 up to $1,000 if your first bet doesn't hit. You get that $1,000 in bonus bets, and you can use that and use that and use that for whatever you want to use it for. All of that's the FanDuel Sportsbook app. You got spreads, money lines, totals, points, rebounds, assists. You can pick all that stuff for the NBA and college basketball. Heck, if you're really weird and like the NHL, you can bet on that stuff too. I do that sometimes. Even with same-game parlays, there are bigger and better chances at awesome payouts. Go to FanDuel.com forward slash locked on. Learn more at FanDuel.com forward slash locked on. Make every moment more with FanDuel. Trust me on this one. The official sports betting partner of the NBA and the NFL. Steven, that's right. 2-0. You heard that correctly. Now, my opponents did not show up. That is the case. The depth side guys were not about it. They were too scared to even be there. But your boy put your boy's a tennis guy now. I'm not very good at tennis, man. I got to be honest. <laughs> like, as a baseball player, I've hit very few home runs in my life. 
But if you get me on a tennis court, that ball is leaving the park, my guy. It See is you just, later. It's like an airplane. It's going to have some stewardesses on it. That that baby's <laughs> going. Oh, Stephen, I hope the Baylor Bears are going deep into March. But you just said out in the Sweet 16. I have said I've kind of been the I'm where where am I going to reasonably put Baylor? They meet a Big East team in the round of 32, the Sweet 16, like a Marquette. And they just kind of get dominated, kind of get pummeled by somebody. This team doesn't have the that 2021. I'm bigger than you. I'm just gonna. I'm just. I'm. I'm a dog. I don't see that all the time with this group of guys, defensively especially. Why do you have this team bounced in the second weekend, first day of the second weekend? So for me, I actually was thinking about maybe even earlier. I saw Kentucky as an eight seed in somebody's bracket today, and I thought to myself. Boy, I'd really hate to face Kentucky in the second round. Yeah. Um, like if they moved to a seven and you got Baylor, Kentucky. And mm -hmm. and that just that feels kind of like a Baylor, North Carolina matchup from last year, where it's a team yeah. with a lot of pedigree, a team with a lot of expectations, a team with a lot of talent, a team that didn't fulfill a lot of its promises, but still is very good and very dangerous. I, I think that's the type of team. It's all matchup based for me. I think this could be a team where like 2010, if they get a favorable road, they can get to the elite eight. Um, but if they don't get a favorable draw, if they get one of these schools kind of early, like a, like a Virginia or Marquette, you know, teams that they wouldn't play obviously, but a team like that, yeah. um, Kentucky, North Carolina, those kind of teams that they could get in the second round could be a really tough out for the Bears. And part of the reason I'm, I guess, skeptical is because I've seen recently how Baylor has handled late game situations. Think about that Oklahoma State game. That game should not have been a six point game. Yeah. It was a lot bigger of a margin. And how many times this year, I mean, this happened, was it TCU? Where Adam Flagler also had a similar play in the corner where they're 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 Ball goes out of bounds and yeah, same thing. It's the same thing. Adam Flagler is a great player. Adam Flagler is a first team all Big 12 player. Adam Flagler hopefully is an NBA draft pick. I love watching him play. But that kind of stuff is stuff that is eerily similar of stuff that I've seen when Baylor was an early out in the NCAA tournament. And I just feel kind of like this is not the same level of team as we had in 20 or 21. I feel like, I mean, last year we didn't see Baylor's getting eliminated in the second, the second game of the tournament yeah. and it happened. So maybe it's unfair to this team to compare them to that team the same way it's unfair to compare this team to the 2021 team. But in what I've seen, I'm just kind of looking at it and saying they struggle in late game situations and they struggle on defense. And those are two things you're going to need to have sewn up by the tournament. Otherwise, you're going to lose because having great guard play is what you need in the tournament, but it's not going to help if you can't stop anybody. It's not going to help if you're turning the ball over on your side when you have a six-point lead and 46 seconds to go. The Steven, I, the, the one thing, like defensively, yeah. That we've, we've, we've beaten that dead horse for mm -hmm. the whole season now as a fan base, that this defense is just not very good. And the numbers back that up. It will be one of the worst power six defenses in the NCAA tournament. That is just going to be the case, especially when, when you start getting to the second weekend, when you get to the round of 32, that dwindles even more. You're now becoming the worst defense in the NCAA tournament. Not a good spot to be in. 
What I think might kill Baylor even more so than that is we've talked we've talked a lot about volume shooting. I'm gonna read next a little bit here. The I, I saw a metric this week that Baylor actually loses more often when they shoot less threes. So kind of the more they, the more threes they shoot, the higher their odds of winning, which makes mm-hmm. some let's make some good sense. But what you see they do make a good percentage. They they shoot a lot of threes. They are the number one Big 12 team in three-point shooting. And Scott Drew said preseason that would be the identity of this team. One of the big problems to me has been shot selection in these games they've lost. Kansas in the second half, where look, Keontae had he took some bad shots in the first half, but he made them. Second half took some bad shots and he missed them, as he probably should, and the rest of these guys should. They get really late into the shot clock playing iso ball, especially with Keontae out there. You see it a lot with Keontae out there. The ball movement seems stagnant, and then somebody jacks up a three that's not a very quality shot at the end of the shot clock, and it's typically not going to go. As much as we nitpick the defense, that's kind of how I see this team. That's where I see the downfall right now is these late in the shot clock, jack it up because out of necessity, and the opposing team rebounding and taking advantage. Well, and I also think how many times has Adam Flagler been forced to take that little step back three? He takes like a real quick dribble in the step back three, and it rims out, barely hits the front of the rim and goes out. I've seen that a lot this year where kind of LJ Cryer and, and Adam Flagler have been forced to take bailout threes. The problem is, is they're such great three-point shooters as they may make them sometimes. Yeah. So it's hard to call it a bad shot. Well, the bad offensive part of those possessions were is that they got stagnant. You know, they dribbled the ball a lot and didn't really move it. And Keontae George, maybe he's been guilty of some of that. I've seen some bad, some bad offense from Keontae. I think sometimes Keontae is so great at going on one-on-one that he really just wants to go one-on-one all the time. And sometimes that's great because he's one of the best players in the country. He's going to be a lottery pick in the NBA draft, but sometimes the offense really needs to flow a little bit more and the ball really needs to move a little bit more. And I think when we're comparing it to the championship team, think about how much um, the ball really moved from side to side, from in and out of the paint on that team. The ball doesn't move the same way here. And this is still a great offense. The ball just doesn't move that way here. I think that's kind of what you need to be a national championship offense. Steven, you said flow. You said F-L-O-W flow. But flow thamba, Jonathan Chamuchachua, your perspective. This, the 2021 team had flow thamba and Jonathan Chamuchachua. They were not loaded down low. Mark Vital added a little more muscle, but Baylor has not had an elite big man in a long time. They won a championship without an elite big man. Is this a problem to you or are you completely cool with the bear struggles in the paint? So for me, I think where the bears are kind of missing is they really wish Josh Ojalwuna was a little bit further along in his development. Cause he's definitely going to be a great big man. I think this team is just a little too soon for him. The bears are definitely Definitely struggling in the front court. I think Flo has some problems finishing at the rim. He's a great rebounder. He's great at getting fouled. Um, I wish he would finish a little bit more, and I wish he would make a few more free throws when he does get to the line. But Jonathan Chamwachachwa is getting better, and I think that's helping this team. If you're going to call Baylor a sneaky team in the NCAA tournament as far as two or three seeds go, 
it's be gonna be because Jonathan Chama Chachua improved this team from a better defense than currently where they are. They're the 85th ranked defense on Kempom, right? Yeah. So they're better than that with Jonathan Chama Chachua with them. Because they obviously haven't had him all year. How much better is what's going to determine whether a national championship team or not. Even uh, I've got here pulled up all of Joe Lenardi's March Madness where he's got everybody and currently has Baylor sitting as a two seed comfortably. He has Baylor as the sixth best team in America on the one line. Before I even go into this, do you think there's a way to push this team into the one seed conversation? I think if they won the Big 12 tournament, that would be, especially with a win over Kansas in the process, I think that would be a big step. Me personally, I think Kansas should be the number one overall seed. And I think that if Kansas splits the Big 12 with Texas and Texas wins the Big 12 tournament, that Texas should be a number one seed. Or, you know, I read this this Big 12 conference has been so by far and away the best conference in America. Two Big 12 teams should be number one seeds. Then here, there is... And yeah, I think the Texas conversation is not a bad one. I didn't really, I hope they don't. And Lenardi has Texas at seven, Baylor at six. So the Bears still have some leverage there on UT, but you're right. If Texas, which at the time of recording, we don't know if they beat TCU. If they did and they beat Kansas, have a good run in the the Big 12 tournament, both those teams should be one seeds. Baylor, that kind of the same thing applies. They beat Iowa State Mm -hmm. now without Caleb Grill on Saturday and make a bit of a run in the Big 12 tournament. Should be in the conversation. But even aside from that, you've got... In the West, according to Lenardi, Houston, Baylor, Arizona, and Xavier being the top four seeds, meaning Baylor would meet Arizona in the Sweet 16. What do you think about that? You know, I've not been a big fan of Arizona this season, to be honest. I think UCLA is the better team. Any Pac 12 team, by the way. I love playing a Pac 12 team. Bring that on. Yeah, the Pac 12 is not a very strong conference, and it's not a very strong Power Six conference. It's stronger than the ACC, but, you know, they're kind of hovering right around there with the Mountain West in terms of who's the fourth or fifth best conference. And Arizona, to me, has been kind of fraudulent. They've lost some some games to quad two opponents, and they are clearly the second best team in the Pac-12 to UCLA, and Baylor beat UCLA. Yeah. UCLA, also a team right there on the one line, and... Baylor beat them, and the strength of the schedule is vastly different. Like Obviously, Baylor played a much tougher schedule, and that's why they have eight losses. Eight losses, a <laughs> lot of losses to be talking about a, a one team. Losses. <laughs> but you did it in the Big 12, and everybody's going to lose. Kansas lost three straight at, at one point. Everybody's going to do that in this league, and I hope, I really hope that this, this conference is not banged up to the point where the team struggle. We've seen it. We've seen conferences eat each other alive, get to March. We've seen the big 12 do it. We've seen people say, ah, you said the big 12 is so great. And their teams didn't make it very far. So it's always Texas. They're the ones that have, they have to ruin it for everybody. Well, the, the sad thing about that is that Texas has fired all these coaches recently because of things, you know, not on the program, but also because of not having success in the NCAA tournament. Yeah. And, I'm not really sure if it's fair to fire coaches off of one game performances, little snippets, but if it gets them, I don't really think it's gotten Texas where they wanted to. So Texas could be an early exit again. Yeah. If you're firing guys off one game snippets, Scott Drew would run the chopping block for a few more years. Granted, <laughs> the, 
Baylor's situation was much different than UT, and thankfully the athletic directors at, in Drew's tenure have had a bit longer of a leash for mm-hmm. their coaches. Uh, Steven, before we roll out, any what, what are the big talking points? Anything big that you've got on your radar here as we hit March for this Baylor basketball team? What are you really fired up about? So I'm really fired up to have Keontae George back. I know we've talked a little bit about I want to see him in March because he's a shot maker. He's a shot creator. I want to see him have his moment. Um, Adam Flagler shooting 40% from three. LJ Cryer shooting 43% from three. I want to see this Baylor team and see if the Golden State Warriors live by the three, die by the three strategy can work for them in the NCAA tournament. It works in a seven-game format, a best four out of seven format. Will it work in a one, and that's why the NCAA tournament's the best tournament in sports. Because the team that wins every year probably isn't the best team in America. Not always, at least. And that's what's so glorious about it. Because the one game format, um, and we get it soon. It's like two weeks away. I got, I'll be in Cabo next week, so that week basically doesn't exist. So it's only one week away for yours truly. Oh, isn't that Baylor does spring break a little early, don't they? So so stupid early. March, I it's March second today when the show airs, and it's like, why is it already almost spring break? <laughs> Cabo's seventy five degrees, seventy five, not bad by the way. It's snowing in most of America, but Cancun's eighty eight. We should have gone to Cancun. That's where we went last year, and it was good. I actually accepted the the locked on job while I was in Cancun last year. Who's gonna call me this week? You think? Oh, Scott Drew. Ah, maybe give me a job with the Bears. <laughs> <laughs> Steven, uh, before we get you out of here, uh, where can folks find you, your basketball tweets during March Madness, or any of your anything you put out? So I'm at Steven from VA on Twitter, and I do an occasional podcast with Chase Gilmer called Going Down the Line. Uh, we've been off for a few weeks, just life's been getting in the way, but we, we try to step it in there every two weeks or so. Beautiful. Go check it out. Down the line. Uh, down the line? Going down the line. Going down the line. I gotta get it all right. Uh, Steven, thanks for joining the show. For everybody that listened, thank you for making this show your first listen every single day. This has been and always will be. Come back tomorrow. Robbie Triano joins the show. We talk Big 12 hoops, Baylor, Iowa State, Caleb Grill, all of that. Brandon Miller, too, I'm sure. Locked on. Come back tomorrow. Baylor.